This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. To our guests, hello, my name is Paul, pastor here, teacher, elder. To those watching online, uh, thank you for being with us. Take out your notes that you received when you walked in. Why is it that a good, faithful Jewish man or woman would repeat every morning, every afternoon, and every evening the same prayer? They'd recite what we call the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. They prayed again and again and again. They prayed in the morning, they prayed in the afternoon, they prayed in the evening. Every day of every week, of every month, of every year of their life, they would pray the same thing. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Then it goes on for a whole other page after that. They'd repeat it again and again and again and again. Why is it Jesus, when Jesus was asked by the disciples, teach us to pray, he said to them, repeat this. Our Father in heaven, be glorified in our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily needs. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Why would Jesus say, repeat that? Whenever you pray, when you're praying, repeat this. Isn't God concerned about rote memory and us not thinking and not meaning? Why should we be repeating something again and again and again and again? God seems to know something about our minds. That our minds begin to look like whatever our minds look at. Our minds begin to look like whatever they look at. Whatever you fix your attention on actually begins to transform your mind. You know this is true. Thinking about PTSD. Okay? Someone who has endured a very traumatic experience. Let's say you were in a car accident. And so now whenever you go through that same area, perhaps, you experience the same emotions and feelings and memories. So much so that when you start to enter that same intersection, your body begins to tighten and cringe and the heart begins to pump. Why? Because the mind has been transformed. It has taken on the shape of that memory. And now you project that memory into that situation. Maybe it's the death of a loved one, an abuse. So much so that when anything hints at that same moment, the mind relives it, retells it, refeels it. But it's not just negative, it's positive too, right? Positive. 
when you affix your attention upon a positive thing, and that anchors itself in your mind. Let's take lunch as an example. Okay? Some of you are going to go for lunch in a little bit. Maybe you're going to go someplace for lunch, and you're excited. You should be excited. You've been to this place before. You've eaten that before. You know what it tastes like. You know the savoriness. You know the sweetness. You know the saltiness of it. And even just recalling that memory, your mind now looks into the future and you experience it again. So Jesus said, repeat this. Fix this in your mind. Fix these truths, these ideas. So that no matter what situation you go in, no matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, you will process the world through these truths. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You begin to process and see the world through those truths. By conforming your mind to these ideas. We're in the midst of conforming our minds to key biblical ideas. So that no matter what storm situation we find ourselves in, we process it. How? For I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He will return to judge the living and the dead. And today we add to that I believe. In the Holy Spirit. Let's write that down in our notes. If you have notes, if you're watching online, you're here with us this morning, write that one line down. I believe in the Holy Spirit. But before we unpack that, let's see how well we remember some of the things that we've been going over for the last five or six weeks. These core ideas that we want our mind shaped by. So, Carmen's not going to put them up on the screen for you. And even though they are in your notes, maybe we can say these things together as we rehearse them, as we remember them, as we proclaim these truths. What do we believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to heaven and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. And today, I believe in the Holy Spirit. 
Let's say that last line again. I believe in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does it mean to proclaim that, to say that? It's my hope that today you'll find the hope of living under the care of a God who broods over you. Brood not like an old grumpy grandpa broods. Not that kind of brood. Broods the way an eagle broods over a nest. The way a hen broods over its young. And that our mind would be shaped and wired to it. See my good friend Ethan Motter in the back. Ethan uh, and I like to, uh, wait, 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 bonsai trees. He is master bonsai tree maker man. I am junior Padawan bonsai maker man. I have four. He has 40. Um, I'm not lying. And we were just chatting back and forth because we're moving into a season where it's time to, you, you take those plants and, you, and there's some wiring that you should do with them to shape them, to conform them, to make them be what they can be so they can thrive. Those wires kind of hold them in place, branches in place, trunks in place, so that eventually they take on that shape. There is tremendous hope in a mind that believes in the Holy Spirit the way the Bible proclaims the Holy Spirit. So to do this, let's jump right to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. Let's go there together. Genesis chapter 1. Interesting that before the Bible shows us Jesus, the Bible shows us the Holy Spirit. In a very beautiful, intimate image. Genesis 1, verse 2, probably familiar to many of you. But let's unpack that this morning. Because this is how the Bible wants us to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. This is the first book, the first page, the first paragraph. It says this, verse 2. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, or literally brooding over the waters. Let me read that for you again, that verse again. This is Genesis, very first book. First page, first paragraph. This is what the Bible wants you to see. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. Let's unpack that image. Imagine the chaotic waters of a vast ocean where there is no anchor point. There is no saving. There is no swimming. It's the darkest night. It's the deepest storm. It is a torrent upon torrent, wave upon wave, and you're drowning in it. It is chaos. It is fear. It is death. But over that, the scripture says, what? The spirit of God was hovering over those waters. What does that mean? Brooding over the waters. 
To say that the Spirit broods and hovers is to say that the Spirit brings life. Because that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit always brings life. Presiding over something. Preparing over things. Prompting and protecting things. Brooding is, is a bird term. Think of a hen in a barnyard. Brooding over the chicks. The wings are outspread, walking around like chickens will walk. I won't do it for you. You can imagine it. That'll be enough. Or when an eagle hovers over its nest. See, there's only two places in all of Scripture where this word hover or brood is used. Here in Genesis 1 and at the end of Deuteronomy, where God describes himself as an eagle brooding and hovering over its nest, carrying its children on its wings. What is that bird doing? Presiding over what's happening below. What's that, what's that bird doing? It's preparing for things to come. Prompting young ones to move in a certain direction. Keeping them under the shadow of his care. Protecting it from threats. The spirit hovers over, broods over the chaos below. To understand the Holy Spirit is to understand the word spirit. Literally, it means breath. Holy breath. Life. If I came across you and you were asleep in your easy chair and you look dead, because some sermons will do that, and I want to know you were alive, what would I do? I'd go up and I would check your breathing. Are they alive? Why? Because the breath is life. The Holy Spirit brings life. Brooding, hovering, presiding, protecting, preparing. So if you will, I have a basket of chaos. I have a basket full of fear. I have a basket full of death. I walked in with it. You walked in with yours, didn't you? Some of our baskets are bigger than others, maybe heavier than others. But within that basket is chaos and fear and death. The chaotic waters, formless, lifeless. How many of you know what that basket feels like? Yeah. How many of you know how heavy that basket is? Yeah. Yet over that, the scriptures want me to know, want us to know that despite the chaos and the fear and the death, Like a protective eagle, the Spirit of God hovers and broods over to prepare, to prompt, and to protect. To say, I believe in the Holy Spirit is to say, I believe in a God who broods over our chaos. Hovers over my hot mess. 
And this is the idea that catapults us forward into the story of Jesus. Because we've already bumped into the Holy Spirit in our creed, right? I believe in God the Father, almighty maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord. What? Conceived by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Let's jump ahead in the story to Luke chapter 1. You have your copy of the scriptures. Carmen will put up on the screen for you. Luke 1, 35. Mary has some questions. Angel said, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, um, how will this be? I'm a virgin. The womb is empty. There's no life here. There's no capacity for life here. A mini picture of the cosmos. Genesis 1, a macro picture of the cosmos. But into that same emptiness and void, verse 35, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So in the beginning of my mind, if I'm like, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's the one who comes over the chaos waters. The Holy Spirit's the one that hovers over and brings forth life. Because there was chaos, and then the Holy Spirit brought forth Eden and garden and food and protection and land. And that same Holy Spirit, Mary, is going to preside over you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you like wings. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. I get it, Mary. In your womb, there was no life. Like the vast cosmos, formless and void. But the Holy Spirit will overshadow you the way the Holy Spirit overshadowed the chaos and death and fear in the beginning. Brought forth creation, paradise, home, peace. In you, Mary, the Holy Spirit is going to bring forth a new creation, a new Adam. Which is why as we see Jesus growing, the gospel writers are so adamant that we understand Jesus as full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That was just in one chapter in the book of Luke, Luke chapter four. Charging off in the desert to confront chaos and evil, to confront Satan. That's why as we see Jesus growing and ministering, what is he doing? Bringing life. Why? What does the Holy Spirit do? Holy Spirit brings life. Healing, proclaiming, preaching. To say that I believe in the Holy Spirit, to say that I believe in a God who broods over my chaos, and to say that I believe in a God who broods over a new creation, hovers over a new creation in Jesus Christ. But an amazing thing happens, and the Bible doesn't hide us from it. it the Bible brings it right to the forefront when it comes to the life of Jesus. Jesus comes down to be baptized and John the Baptist sees him and John the Baptist sees a dove, imagine that, coming and resting upon Jesus, the Holy Spirit, right? But if you jump over to John chapter one, look at the observation that John makes for us because all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is gonna do a greater work. Verse 
In John 1, verse 33, John the Baptist, not the John who wrote the book, John the Baptizer says this in verse 33. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, Jesus, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Meaning what? It's not just that, John, you're going to see the Holy Spirit ascend, descend upon an individual, this Jesus who is the Christ. But this same Jesus is now going to immerse an entire people into the spirit way of life. New creation isn't just going to rest on an individual. For I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son. But through Jesus, a new creation community is going to be born. It's going to go beyond Jesus. Jesus is going to call and empower an entire people group who are immersed in. Not people who just kind of dip their toe in the waters. But people baptized in, immersed in the spirit way of life. That's why when you get to John chapter 14, 15, and 16, when Jesus is giving his final discourse, he says to them, hey, I'm leaving. Don't worry. I'm going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name. He will guide you and teach you into all things. As you move forth, my new community of people, you will be a spirit-filled community, a spirit-baptized people, bringing life into chaos. The same spirit that hovered over the waters, the same spirit that hovered over Mary's womb, the same spirit that brought me forth, the same spirit that you saw anointed and empowered in my life as I proclaimed the gospel, as I healed, as I restored, as I brought people from back from the dead. That same spirit is going to now wash over you. To say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. To say, I believe in a God who broods over my chaos. To say, I believe in the new creation found in Jesus Christ is to say, I believe in a God who broods over a new creation community. Because isn't that what you see in the book of Acts? What do these followers of Jesus do? They go out and what are they doing? They're doing Jesus things because they're spirit-filled people preaching, proclaiming, healing, confronting, doing Holy Spirit things. Preparing and presiding, protecting. The same spirit that lives in you and lives in me. This last week was Groundhog Day. I swear we just did that. So we as a family sat down and watched Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. I told the kids, I swear we just did this. It's like deja vu. We did it again and again and again and again. Jackson, in the middle of the afternoon, texts me, yep, saw a shadow, more winter, stupid rat. <laughs> no, he didn't say that, but many of us thought it. He's like, I think he always sees a shadow. Yeah, probably. 
we feel caught up in that. For me, I, I love to look out there and I see that. And it just for Elisa, it's like it's home. That's what it is. But what were we waiting for? What season comes after winter? Well, Ohio, you don't know. It could be anything, right? <laughs> and it might not stay for a while. Might we go back to winter? We might do that six or seven times. But what season are we waiting for? We're waiting for spring. And what is the hallmark of spring? Rain, right? And then more snow. What does the rain do? Rain tells the plants it's time to grow. It's time to wake up. It's time to do what plants do. I bring that up because early church fathers, first two, three hundred years of the church, taught about the spirit like rain that falls upon the earth, descending from heaven to earth, bringing growth, bringing life. But not just that, but bringing forth life in all of its colors, in all of its types. When spring finally makes it to our property and the rains of spring begin to fall, the herb garden will start to do its thing. Some of the herbs will be of one type. Some of the herbs will be other. Some herbs taste good. Some herbs are more medicinal. Some, some plants are flowering. Some plants have this color. Some have that color. Some have that size. Some have that shape. One rain bringing all those different types of life. So now, they would say, that's the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit descends upon and falls upon a people, one spirit, life in so many shapes and sizes. That's what the Apostle Paul was getting a hold of in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at that together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read the first 11 verses. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. This is a church that's a hot mess. This is a church that's all chaos. It is bad. And over that, the Apostle Paul writes these words. Now concerning spiritual things, your translation might say gifts. Don't get hung up on gifts. The word's actually not even there in the Greek. He says, I want you to understand spiritual things. Brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> now, therefore... There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Let me stop you right there. You see that the, the Trinity? See, he describes what is spiritual in the church. He says, you might see this type of gift. It's the same spirit. You might see these activities, same Lord. See these services, same God. For I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. He says, you see spiritual things happening in all its different colors and shapes and sizes and flavors. One spirit doing it. Then he gives us some examples. 
to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Meaning it's not for me. I don't preach for my sake. I proclaim for those who will hear. I don't serve for my sake. I serve for those who will walk in that service. Whatever it might be. It's for the common good. It's to be shared, not to be kept. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. One rain falling, giving life seen in so many shapes and sizes. He describes some of them. The Holy Spirit might give a word of wisdom or knowledge to someone. That's not for themselves. What? It's to be passed on to somebody else. Have you ever experienced that? Maybe someone comes up to you. Hey, I just think God wants you to hear this this morning. God wants you to know this. Gifts of healing. Yes, I've seen and bumped into people who have an an apportioned gift of healing. They almost possess it. That doesn't mean that God might not heal through any of us whenever we might pray. But the Spirit brings life. The discerning of spirits. Different types of service. Different types of messages. The Holy Spirit falling and bringing life in all of its different types. Next week, we're going to unpack in the following weeks what it means that I believe in the communion of saints. The shared life that we have one with another. How important that is. Had the privilege of experiencing that in between our gatherings this morning. Someone came up to me said, will you pray with me? I just said something in passing in the message. Not even in the notes. But through that, the Holy Spirit says, the Spirit revealed this to me this morning in my life. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. We're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit brings about the forgiveness And the resurrection to life and the hope that we walk in. To say, I believe in the Holy Spirit is to say, I believe in a God who broods and hovers over my chaos to bring life. Who brings about the new creation in Jesus Christ. Who through Jesus Christ brings a new creation community to life. It's you. But what does it really mean to say that I believe it? We've been saying that now for six weeks. I never taught about that part. What does it mean to say I believe something? I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Is it enough just to say it? Because I say it, does that make it true? Just because I say it, does that make it true? I believe I have a million dollars at home. To say that you believe something in a biblical sense means that you got on board with it. You joined with it. 
You live according to that truth. You let it transform your way of thinking and your way of acting, your way of spending and relating, your way of responding. The word means allegiance. It means loyalty too. That when the kingdoms of the world call me this way, I go that way. Because that's the way my king is called. It means when the world tempts me to this, I choose that. Because that's the way my king is called. That means when I am surrounded by chaos and fear and death, I will rise above it because I believe in the Holy Spirit. And it shines as a beacon of hope to all those around. It means I live a certain way. I talk a certain way. I believe that the Holy Spirit is presiding over. We prayed that. I prayed that this morning. I prayed that for you. We as artists, when the band was just finishing, we, we prayed that over you. Holy Spirit, preside over what happens this morning. Prepare in each other what needs to be done. Prompt us to do this or to do that. I pray you know that experience. I joined in with the Spirit this morning. I said, Spirit, you know my hot mess. He's like, Paul, I'm over that. That's good, buddy. Then prompt me what needs to be said or not said. What stories should be told or not told. I come into the building expecting that. The Holy Spirit will say to me, that person needs you to go say hi to him. You know the kind of week they had. Will you go pray with that person, Paul? I want my life to rain down on them. I'm going to do it through your words. Now, is it because I'm a pastor, right? Is that how that works? I got Holy Spirit power because I'm a pastor, I got ordained and got myself a Holy Spirit machine gun and I can just walk through and just let people have it. Is that how that works? Oh goodness, no. Does it work that way because I was really good this week? Really got my act together? Does it work that way because I'm his favorite and I got a special touch? No, it's because I'm a child of God. As you are a child of God. And so to believe in the Holy Spirit is to position myself underneath those wings. To receive the rain, to be agents of rain. Because you know when you have a garden, sometimes you have to go water it yourself, right? Right? Because you need to do that. And sometimes the Holy Spirit says, Paul, that person needs a little rain. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the God that broods. 
We were in Gatlinburg uh, last weekend. We're supposed to be there for a soccer tournament. Lucas and Aiden had soccer games that were scheduled. They got canceled. But we figured since we were supposed to be away anyways, the, the hotel was booked. Uh, Doug was ready to preach. Very thankful for strongholds getting broken down and Hulk Hogan and all that he brought to us. Thank you, Doug. We're very blessed by our elders. Um, we, we, we took a long weekend, traveled down there. Only my second time being down to Gatlinburg. We were down there last year, just for a little time away. And because I'm going into a place I don't know real well, I reach out to people. If you know Tom Elliott, I always reach out to Tom Elliott because Gatlinburg's his happy space, his happy place. Says, Tom, where do I need to go? What do I need to see? What do we need to check out? We're going down to Gatlinburg. He says, oh, you got to go see this, go see this, go see this. He says, and you need to go to Anakista. Anakista is a local peak that oversees the valley below. And you can ride this long ski lift all the way up the mountain. Lucas clocked it. He said it was 14 minutes to get from the bottom to the top. It was a long ride. But if you remember, Gatlinburg was ravaged by fires not too many years ago. You remember the images on the news. And if you haven't been to Gatlinburg in a while, you can still see much of the devastation as the mountainsides were ravaged by chaos and death. And so to rise up above on that, that chairlift, you rose up through that chaos and you saw the death and you saw the destruction as you took your way up to the top of the mountain. And as you got there to the top of the mountain, if you've never been to Anakista, there's another tower. We're making our way up to the tower so we could be just a little bit higher. And the path up there, they had testimonies of the fire, pictures, images. I remember one specifically. It was of the mayor of the town at the time. And it was an overhead picture as the mayor was lying down on a mattress where his house used to be. Testimonies of the brave and the faithful. Again, rising up above the chaos and the death. Came to the tower, which probably ascends another 30, 40 feet into the air. Probably the highest point now in that Gatlinburg Valley. You can see all of Gatlinburg opening up below. But beyond that, you see the entire mountain range surrounding you. And some say, on a clear day, you can see Kentucky. And I was swallowed up. I was enveloped in the great story of God. Not because there were Bible verses scattered around. Not because there were stained glass windows of Jesus in the tower. Not because there was someone running around spouting off prophecy. But because the very creation of God was proclaiming his majesty and his goodness. And most people just fall silent in the presence of such goodness. Everybody was. Not that they were Christians, right? Was everybody on the mountaintop Christians? Was everyone on the mountaintop followers of Jesus? Goodness, no. But such is the power of God's message. And I just stood there. As the Spirit of God hovered over my chaos and my fear 
and my basket of death. I probably would have been there all afternoon. Except I think my sons prompt my wife to go get me. Go get dad or we'll never get ice cream. He's doing that thing again. My wife gently walked up, put her arm in mine. How are you? There's no words. There's no words in that type of spirit presence. I wanted to stay there all day. You know that mountaintop, don't you? It doesn't have to be in Gatlinburg. That mountaintop where you meet with the Spirit. But, having met, having been washed over, hovered over, what did that enable me then to do? I could now go back down the mountain into the chaos below bringing a little heaven with me. This is what it means to believe in the Holy Spirit. That where I go, heaven goes with me. And when I am confronted with death, I bring life. And when I'm confronted with fear, I bring hope. When I'm confronted with chaos, I bring divine order because this is Jesus' territory. Because I believe in the Holy Spirit. And in your life, that might look one way as the Holy Spirit has given you gift and given you voice and given you activity and service. As it looks one way in my life, as it looks differently in all of my sons, with the rain of God falling nonetheless on a dry and weary land. To say, I believe in a God who broods over my chaos. I believe in a God who broods over new creation in Jesus Christ, that I believe in a God who broods over a new creation community. This is what it means when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. And that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. And a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.